Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. ready for the word today all right let's start off with James chapter 5 verse 16 James chapter 5 verse 16 we preached on this last week but this is our text that we're jumping off of here it says confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed then it says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, in the Passion Translation, you can put that on the screen there, that last portion says this, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Tell your neighbor, that's me. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word today. And I pray that this word would get deep on the inside of us, Lord God. I pray that that you would use this word, Father, to birth a prayer movement, to change our minds to a prayer mindset. And And Father God, for us to see tremendous power released in our lives, our businesses, our families. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. So we started here last week talking about tremendous power and how it is released through real passionate prayer. Okay, it's released through real passionate prayer, not religious prayer, not necessarily traditional prayer, not necessarily calm prayer. But then again, not necessarily wild prayer. Come on, somebody. But simply prayer that is heartfelt and passionate, okay? And so we talked about that. And we also talked about that word passion last week. Comes from the root in the Latin, patai. And that means to suffer. When somebody says, people in this generation, we love to talk about the stuff we're passionate about. Oh, I'm passionate about fashion. I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. Listen, the only way we know you're passionate is if you're willing to endure suffering for the thing you say you're passionate about. See, most people, they don't want to suffer for things, you know. We'll talk about all day uh, uh, the things that we're quote unquote passionate about. But when it gets hard, when things get hard, then we lose our passion. Passion is a word. That's a strong word. 
Are you passionate about your marriage? Then you're going to have to endure some suffering. Come on, somebody. Are you passionate about your career and being successful in it? Then there's going to be some pain involved. There's going to be some suffering involved. You can't quit when it gets hard. Or else what that means is you are not passionate. Some of you got into your career because you said, oh, I'm passionate about kids. I'm passionate about helping people. I'm passionate about this. And then it got hard and you wanted to quit. I say this, where's your passion? Because if you're passionate about something, you're willing to go through some stuff. Listen, I'm passionate about the church of Jesus Christ. And I've suffered because of my passion. And that's okay. Amen? Amen. Because that's what that word means, okay? So we talked about that. And then we talked about the only way to achieve passion, this is what I want to talk about today, is to develop strong feelings based on a strong belief. I'm going to say that again. If you're taking notes, you should write that down. It says the only way to achieve passion is to develop strong feelings based on a strong belief. And that's what I want to accomplish in this series here, okay? Because I believe in America today, we have a church culture that is very weak in prayer. Very weak in prayer. And Barna has done, which is a research group, they, they do research and they do polls and they poll Christian people and they poll churches. And much, much of the polls that have come about uh, Christian prayer lives says that the average Christian does not have a viable prayer life. And what that says to me is that there's a problem maybe with what us pastors are doing to grow prayer in the people that are in our churches. Maybe it's because we're not teaching enough about why we should be in prayer. Can I get an amen on that? Because I believe this, when our prayer is weak, it's because we really don't believe that prayer works. If I'm not praying, deep down the root of that is I don't believe my prayer is going to do any good. That's, that's really what it means. So if I call myself a Christian and I don't have a, a daily prayer life that communes with God, that pulls on God, that petitions God, it, deep down it means that I really don't believe my prayers are working or that God is listening. So I want to attack that in the spirit this morning. Amen? Because Satan don't want you to know what it is that you have, what God has made available to you through prayer. So think about that. If my prayer life is weak, it's because I really don't believe. Now, now let me just tell you something. The word of God is offensive. You guys need to know that. The Bible offends. It really does. Jesus told us and he warned us. He said, blessed is he that is not offended by me. Because there's going to be things in the Bible that when you, when, when you read it or when a word like this comes, your first thing to do is to be offended by it. Oh, pastor, you don't know if I don't have faith. Who are you to tell me I don't believe? 
Listen, I'm just reading the Bible to you. I'm going to give you some scriptures. But understand this. The old timers used to say the proof is in the pudding. You could say all you want. Well, you know, I want to pray. Pastor, I just don't have time. That's an excuse. Tell your neighbor, quit making excuses. Come on, that's just an let's just take, let's just be real right now. Let's just take the proverbial masks off. Not these masks right here. Some of y'all are like, amen, Pastor, let's take them off. No, no, we got to keep those on, y'all. We got to keep those on right now, just for your neighbor's sake, okay? But let's take off the proverbial mask that likes to be fake, that likes to just get in here and act like we got it all together. No, the proof, the book of James is written to tell us that when we have faith, there are works that are the evidence of what you believe. It's the evidence. So I could say, I believe God, but if I'm not praying, then maybe I really don't believe with my heart. Because there's a difference. There's something called mental assent. Mental assent is when we can believe it with our head, but not believe it with our heart. It means this, we know it up here, but we don't know it in here. And that's why James, what we just read about in James chapter 5, he says the heartfelt prayer of a godly man avails much. We've got to come from our heart because it's our heart that causes us to change. It's our heart that moves us to action. And the problem we have with too many Christians is we learn stuff just here. How many know things up here, but it hasn't got it in your heart? How many know what I'm talking about? Let me just tell you this. We all know that exercise is good for you. Now, some of us have got that in our heart. And you're at the gym in the mornings. Come on, somebody. Pat yourself on the back. Give yourself a little pat on the back. You're walking every day. You're doing some form of cardio. See, the rest of us know that up here, but we have not let that truth get on the inside in our heart to where we do something with it. Y'all see that? It's the same way with God's word. We know God's word. Yes, if I pray, he'll answer my prayers, but we got it stuck up here. We need to get it in here. Because when you get it in here, you'll get up half hour early to pray. Or you'll, you'll put down the phone for 20 minutes just to spend time with God. You'll turn off the radio in the car on the way to work and just shikarabasata and just intercede and pray. You'll do that when it gets in your heart, okay? And so we've got to be very careful not to be deceived by ourselves into thinking just because we know it here that we got it here. The proof that it's in your heart is you're doing it. Now, I know some Christians been saved 20 years, still don't have a viable prayer life because they've allowed what is in here to deceive them into thinking it's in here. Can we just take off the mask today? Can I just help you today? Can we just bring it home today? The proof is in the pudding. So today what we're after is I'm not here to just tell you something that you could add to your file of knowledge and information. Some of what I'm going to preach today, you're going to be like, oh, I know this already. But my motive is not to just give you new information. My motive is to drive home through the act of preaching 
something into your heart so that when you leave here, you change. The Bible says that God has chosen through the foolish act of preaching. It's foolishness to the world. But to God, it's his tool of how to get truth on the inside of us. Are you guys ready for this today? So Romans chapter 10 verse 7 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I like to say it like this. Faith comes by hearing and 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 hearing. And then when you're all done with that, hearing some more, some other hearing again and hearing again and hearing again and hearing again because of this. This thing is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we got to quit being so impressed with people that can get saved and do right for a week, a month, a year, two years. And we've got to understand it's not about just doing something great for God now. It's about doing something great that lasts generations. I'm so impressed by families that have been able to pass on their faith from one generation to the next, to the next. Come on, somebody, how many know what I'm talking about? So you've got to have a different mindset if you want to do that. You've got to be passionate about God's word. You've got to be passionate about the house of God. You've got to be passionate about God. And you've got to understand that hearing is what produces faith in my life. Faith so that not only am I saved today, but I stay saved. Come on, somebody. Jesus said this, only those that endure till the end shall be saved. Come on, we're just, we, we got to get past this thing and we just want to feel good and get through the week. No, we want to make this thing last. Amen? Amen? So faith comes by hearing. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So again, he shows us That how God is going to change your life, it's not through an amazing experience. It's not through one event. It's through the continual renewing of your mind. The changing of your thought life. What God's wanting to do is change how you think about stuff. Let's change how you think about life, about love about marriage, about your neighbor, about forgiveness. Come on, let's change what we believe about relationships. And in a lot of cases, let's change what you believe about God. But what do we base all that change on? Not my ideas, not some other preacher's ideas, but on the ideas that come from God's word. Are you with me in this journey today? That's why it's so important as we're talking about prayer that we base everything that we believe on prayer from God's word. Because folks, we can be deceived if we're not seeing it in God's word. 
We could get on the hype train of a preacher, of this movement, of that movement, if we don't understand what God's word says about prayer. I want you to write this down. The foundation in which to build a strong prayer life is God's word. It's God's word. You need a steady diet every day of just getting your coffee. Come on, somebody. Just get your little quiet place in your house. Put the kids down for a nap. And you need to crack that Bible open and say, God, speak to me. God, show me. Listen, if you haven't already, we posted on the church page a uh, read through the Bible in a year plan from Pastor Manny Arango. I'm telling you, jump on that right away. Because too many Christians go, well, pastor, I don't know what to read. Hey, let's take care of that for you then. There's a plan every day. It tells you what to read. And when you you can get a a whole plan that's going to help you finish the entire Bible in a year. Now, remember, that's a nice goal to want to read the Bible in a year. But I know people that have read the Bible three or four times, but it hasn't changed them. So let's be careful. That's not just the goal. The goal is to get that truth on the inside of us. But you need to understand the foundation in which to build a strong prayer life is based on God's word. So you need God's word on the subject. And I'm going to help you with that. Amen. Now, I want you to write this down as well. Spiritual strength comes from your understanding of God's word. Spiritual strength comes from your understanding of God's word. That's why Paul told us, you cannot be, I do not want you ignorant, brethren. He doesn't want us ignorant. We can't just be about going to church. We've got to be about going to church and learning some stuff. Because if you're going to be transformed, remember, too many of us are crying out for an event, an encounter. And those are good things. I love encounters. Encounters do great stuff. But the Bible says that my transformation lies in my ability to change the way I think by the renewing of my mind. Now understand this, the greater your understanding of who God is and his character, the greater your desire will be to be in his presence. Let me say that again. If you're in a place right now where, man, pastor, I just don't feel, if I'm real honest, I don't feel like praying. That's because you need more understanding about the God that you're going to be in his presence. The greater your understanding of who God is and his character, the greater your desire will be to be in his presence. As you learn more about God, come on, you're going to have an appetite to want to get to know him. The problem is, much of us, many of us, we don't believe the right things about God. So we got to change that. There's people out there that still think that God is out to get them. There's people that won't come to church today because they think, man, if I go to church, the roof is going to cave in. Because I'm bad and me and God, I've had people tell me, oh, me and God, we ain't on good terms. Because they think God's mad at them for all the sinning they've been doing. They don't know that Jesus has satisfied his anger at the cross and he is no longer mad at you. All he's desiring you to do is turn from those ways for your own sake and come back to the father. 
Come on. The same way uh, some of you parents, you, you know when your kids ain't acting right. What's beyond you wanting them to get off of drugs? You don't want to see them destroy themselves. It's not that you're trying to ruin their fun. Oh, come on, moms and dads. You know what I'm talking about. You know, I don't want my kids out past 12. You want to know why? Because there's drunk drivers leaving bars late at night. Come on. There's trouble out there at night. Come on. Amen. Amen. It's not because I don't want my kids having no fun. No, you know what it is? I want what's best for my kids. And God's that same kind of father. But there are people that don't know that. They think that God's angry. God's mad. God's going to judge you because you don't do everything right. And so what happens? They stay away from God. But then here's what happens. That sometimes those same people will get saved, come to church, but still think that about God. And so when they mess up, they never run to God. They end up running away from God. Sometimes subconsciously we don't know that we believe that. So when we struggle a little bit, now your sins may not be like they were before, but when you mess up, what you run to shows what you believe in. If you had a tough week, and now you're just like, man, I just, I need a beer. You just showed what you run to for comfort. If you had a tough month and you end up going through your old numbers, your old relationships, come on, you, you still got them on Instagram. You just showed what you run to for comfort. I wish we could get some believers that understand when I have a tough time, I don't run away from God. I don't run away from his house. I go to his house and I bring all my mess with me. God, I messed up. I slept with so-and-so. Here it is. Lord, I need you. Well, you got real quiet when I said that part right there. God, I messed up. I, I, I fell off the wagon. You bring that to church with you. And you throw it at the altar and say, God, I repent. Give me grace. Give me mercy. Come on. Amen. But see, we still believe bad stuff. Some of it's because of religion that we've come out of. Because in some religions, when you bring that to the to the church, They'll say, oh, okay, in order for God to forgive you, you got to go do this, 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 and this. Something we used to call penance. Pray five prayers, pray three of these, pay five of that, and then God will forgive you. No, get that out of your, out of your head, because that ain't in the Bible. Apostle Paul said, your righteousness is as filthy rags. You can't save yourself. You can't cleanse yourself. And see, some of us think, well, you know, oh, man, I got I to gotta go to church and I'm going to sign up to serve because I've been real bad and I need to make it right. Stop. Stop. That cannot be your motive because what you can do for God cannot erase the junk you did. Only he can give it to us. Only he could say, you know what? I got you. I forgive you. I'll empower you. Let's get out there and try again. No strings attached. And so my motives now are, let me go sign up. Let me serve. Not because I have to, 
but just because I want to give back to God for him giving to me. Are you tracking with me today? It's a different mindset. It's a different mindset. But see, if you was raised in a religion that they taught you penance, penance, you got to understand, look beyond that. What does that tell you about God? That tells you about God that repentance is not enough to him. And the Bible tells me it is. The Bible tells me if I just come and repent, God says he is faithful and just to forgive me. But I've had to learn that by having my mind renewed by the word of God. The greater your understanding of who God is and what his character is like, the greater your desire will be to be in his presence. So when a Christian is prayerless, catch this, it's because they don't know truly who God is. Because if you knew who he was, you would not be able to stay away from him. We go through life depressed. We go through life sad. We go through life lonely. But what if I told you that there's a God that if you just get in his presence, it could change your mood? What if I told you just 20 minutes of just praying in the spirit and just worshiping God can change the way you feel? Would you do it? Some of you just don't know. You just don't know. You know it up here, but you don't know it in here. How many are getting something this morning? Is this helping anybody? Amen. Let's keep going. So prayer, if you're going to have a prayer life, it's got to be built on a sincere faith in God. It's got to be built on, on, on this, on, on a realness. It's got to be based on what you learn from his word. His word is not like reading the newspaper or reading Dr. Phil's book or reading that book or this self-help guru or whatever. It ain't the same thing, baby. His word is power in it. His word, when I read it, should be actually pushing me to a life of prayer. It has the seeds of prayer in it. The foundation to build a strong prayer life is found in God's word. And that word builds in us a sincere faith in God. So I want you to write this down and I don't want you to forget it. Prayer changes everything. The answer to what you're going through is found in prayer. But you but the, the problem is we got to get you to believe that. Because some of us base what we believe in life on experiential knowledge. Now, experiential knowledge is a powerful thing when when used in the right way. But experiential knowledge can also be something that holds you back to your failures. It chains you to your past. It keeps you tied to the areas of your life where you took an L. And now when you want to go forward and you want to live a good life and you want to have hope that things can change, you can be healed, you're going, but I remember that one time I prayed and nothing happened. I remember when my aunt got sick and we all prayed for her to get healed and she died. 
And so you're living out of an experience when God wants us to live out of his word. We've got to do some spiritual surgery with you. We've got to disconnect your belief system from living out of your past to living out of God's word. Are are you tracking with me today? See, if you get this, it'll change your life. This is why the Bible keeps telling you old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Because God knows you and I will revert back to our failures and we'll live from those failures. God says, I don't want you living out of those failures. You're a new creature. Quit looking to the past to find your future. Quit basing your future on your past. But yeah, but why didn't it work then? I don't know. Let's turn the page. What didn't work then may work now. But we have to trust God. So many of us are tied to failed moments in life. Some people, maybe if you dealt with abuse or you've been through a traumatic situation and you were a child and you say, I prayed and I still got abused. Some of you are tied to living out of that experience. I'm not going to sit up here and be a preacher that acts like he knows everything. I don't. I don't know why those prayers didn't stop that happening at that moment. I don't know why. I don't know why things happen all the time in the world. But I do know this, that God does not want you or me basing what we live by from this point on based on that experience. So I got to believe if God's word tells me something that it's true. And I got to get rid of my big butt. Stay with me. Some of y'all went a whole nother direction on that. I saw you. Got to get rid of them big butts. We read something in the word. God will answer all my prayers, but he didn't do it for this person. He didn't do it for that. Man, remove that big butt. I was going to say, tell your neighbor, get rid of that big butt, but we don't want to, we don't want to hurt nobody's feelings today. We're not going to do that today. Amen. Let, let, let's keep going here. Now turn over to Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Because if your prayers are going to change everything, you got to understand what the secret sauce is. How many like secret sauce? Y'all know what secret sauce is. It's that stuff you put on your food, but you don't know what's in it. Like, what the heck is Mac sauce? Amen? What is Big Mac sauce? What is that? Tartar sauce with mayonnaise, ketchup, and mustard? Come on. What is it? You got barbecue sauce, or your Theo has a sauce. You ask, oh, that's a secret. You can't know. All you can know is it, it works. Listen, we're going to reveal what the secret sauce is to your prayers. Your secret sauce is you got to believe with your heart. You got to get it in your heart, not just your head. Look at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. This is Jesus talking. And what you've got to understand is that when Jesus talks, it is literally impossible for him to lie. If he lies, it negates everything else that he says. As a Christian, you've got to understand this is foundational in our belief system. We must know that Jesus cannot lie. 
If one thing he says is a lie, it negates all the rest of the truth. Are you understanding what I'm saying here? You need to understand that. Look what he says. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Come on. For everyone who receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Because what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. And the church said, you need to highlight this in your Bible. You need to call your tattoo artist friend. You need to get some place reserved for this verse right here, okay? Because this means something. This means that when you and I pray, we can have what we pray for if we believe it. Now, listen, I'm not preaching to you something I learned in Bible college. I'm preaching to you something 30 years of walking with Jesus has taught me. I am still having to hang my life on this scripture right here. And like the old timers used to say, it may not happen when you want it to. Come on. But he's always on time. There's some things I'm waiting for. I wish you would have gave it to me 10 years ago. And I don't know why he didn't. But I do know if I continue to ask, if I continue to seek, and if I continue to knock, I can have what I pray for. Are you tracking with me today? Look at Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Let's look at that portion there. I just want to read it to you in the Passion Translation. It says this, ask and the gift is yours. Seek, and you'll discover. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For every, listen to this part, for every persistent one will get what he asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he longs for. And everyone who knocks persistently will one day find an open door. Do y'all see a pattern there? Persistence. This thing's a marathon, it ain't a sprint. You ain't getting it all tomorrow. Come on, this ain't, he's not a genie. You rub the lamp three times, we get what we want. But you can have what you ask for if you'll stay persistent. Now, why is persistence an ingredient in prayer? Okay, I want to break that down for you. Because there's three things here that those levels of asking, seeking, and finding represent. Those are representative of things in your relationship with God. And I want to help you with this today. Because you need to learn how to read between the lines. How many know what I'm talking about here? If you're a man... You better learn right away 
how to listen and read between the lines. And all the husbands said. You need to learn what she means when she says, I don't care what we eat. You pick. You need to learn. Anybody that's been married a little while knows that doesn't mean what it says. When she says you pick, she doesn't mean you pick what you want. You pick what she wants. How many have found that to be true? You pick simply means pick something that you know that I like. It doesn't mean you pick something that you like and I'm down with it. And the church said, that's called reading between the lines. Amen? There's other ways you can read between the lines. Hey, babe, what's wrong? Nothing. (laughs) Babe, you good? Yep. How many know you better read between those lines? She is not okay, and something is up. That's relationship, y'all. But can I tell you something? There are hidden truths and mysteries found in the word of God when you relate to him. Let me break this down to you. Ask. Why does Jesus say ask? He says ask because asking communicates, I believe you're my source. I believe in you. I believe you can get me that promotion. I believe you can help me remember everything I studied in that boring English class. I believe you can help me on this test. I believe, Lord God, you could get me a good man, a good woman. Come on, you see what I'm saying? It communicates something else than just asking. Asking God for things communicates, number one, that you believe in him as your source. And so when you ask, it's, it's about more than you just coming and bringing your list. I know in our, in our human thinking, we think, oh, man, that just sounds like I'm just, you know, God, gimme, gimme, gimme. But God don't see it that way. God's up there so excited. He's like, wow, all that education you went and got, paying $60,000, $70,000, and you're still coming to me to ask for the promotion? You're smarter than that education. Man, I made you so fine. Baby girl, you look so good. You got that good hair. Blessed you with a good body. And you still asking me for a man. You see what I'm saying? But you know what a lot of us do? We trust in us. And we quit asking. And you think, oh, well, I, I don't ask God for anything. And you think, oh, you're so self-righteous because you don't ask God for nothing. No. See, what you're missing, read between the lines. In a relationship, God says, ask me. Because when you ask me, that tells me you believe I'm your source. The moment you stop asking me, you're showing me you don't need me. You're showing me well, you got this taken care of. Are you tracking with me? 
So he says, ask me. Because when he says, ask me, what he's communicating is that you believe he's your source. It also communicates this very important thing. God, I depend on you. I depend on you. If you don't do it, it ain't getting done. That's what asking means. That's the whole thing behind the ask. And that's why we need to be humble enough to ask. It is the epitome of pride to not ask God for what you need. It's the epitome of pride. Asking is a very humble place. And that is why some of us never ask anybody for anything. Because you're full of pride. Come on. Amen. Tell your neighbor, he's talking to me. Just just confess it right now so we ain't got to be fake. He's talking to me. He's talking to me. Because I don't know about you, but I don't like asking for help. Am I the only one? Thank you for not letting me feel like that. The rest of y'all left me hanging on that. Oh, that's all you, pastor. That's you. You proud. Listen, it's in our human nature to want, not want to ask for help. This is why married couples never go to marriage counseling. Because we got this. No, no, you don't. You need help. This is why men will deal with depression and suicide thoughts and drive around in their car listening to crazy rap music that's just crying on the mic. Instead of get help, I got it, I'll be all right. No, ask for help. Because asking is a place of humility. Can I get an amen on that? So we're reading between the lines. Asking means, God, I believe in you. I see you as my source. I depend on you. Let's move to the next thing. Jesus said this, seek and you will find. Now, why does he tell us to seek for him? Because seeking communicates desire. Amen? Men, again, if you desire that woman, you're going to have to seek after her. Trying to help somebody get a date in here. Amen. Because you're like, I like her, but you ain't done nothing. You're just sitting there like, oh, well, if it's God, she'll look at me. No, fool. You're going to have to pursue that. trying to help somebody today. I'm trying because you've been sitting there liking them for too long. You got to seek. You got to be there when she comes out of church. Hey, you want, did you get a coffee? You want to get your coffee? I'm talking to normal people, not the creeps. Amen. Just putting that out there. And all the ladies said, amen, pastor, because I was catching looks during this earlier. But, but you understand what I'm trying to say is that if you desire somebody or something, you got to seek it out. Like there's people that have been telling me for a long, ah, I, I want to start a business. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. No, you don't because proof of what you desire is found in the seeking. If you really seek it, go buy a book on it. If you really want to have be a, go, go find somebody that's done it. See, your pursuit of something proves that you desire it. Right? And so that's why God says, again, seek and you'll find. Because he wants us to seek. Because that is how we show God that he's important to me. 
That is why these people, man, they want to make God and church painless. So there's people that even though they could come to church, they'll still just want to watch it on the streaming thing. And I'm not talking about none of you precious people out there, just other people who go, you know what? I could just stay in bed, sip my coffee and just get the word. But God says, but you're missing something. I need you to seek me. Seeking means you got to pursue him. So I could have slept in, but I'm seeking God. I could have went home after work on Thursday. So many of you came to prayer. That was awesome. Man, we had an awesome time in the presence of God. I could have did that, but I'm seeking God. Seeking shows pursuit. It also shows, listen, what's important to you. Because you could tell that wife that you got there that she's important to you. But if you don't seek after her, it doesn't matter. And all the ladies said, Amen. is this helping anybody today? So we're reading between the lines. Ask, seek. Ask says, I believe in you. You're my source. Seeking says, I desire you. You're important to me. The third one is find. Ask, seek, find. Okay, also speaks of God, I'll pursue you until I find you. You know what that speaks of? Commitment. I'm going to seek you and I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. There's people that seek and they'll be like, dang, he ain't came yet. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I tried that church thing and it, it didn't do nothing for me. I said, you gave up. Jesus says, ask, seek, find. And then he leaves it all with this. When you, when you ask, you're going to get what you ask for. When you seek, you're going to find what you long for. And when you find, you're going to get to an open door, it says there in uh, the Passion Translation. So I want to leave you with this point today. Diego, if you could help me. That's the one thing I want you to take away as we're building a life of prayer, okay? Point number one is this. Your prayer life has to be built on faith in God's word. Understanding God's word gives you the ability to ask, seek, and find. Let me leave you with these scriptures. Hebrews eleven six. It says, without faith, this is the Passion Translation, and without faith living within us, it'll be impossible to please God. For we come to God in faith knowing that he's real and that he rewards the faith of those, here it is again, who passionately seek him. Guys, if you develop a prayer life, it's going to destroy comfortable Christianity in your life. See, we're all at a fork in the road in our spiritual life. I want you to, I want you to catch this, this here. We're all at a place to where we can be comfortable Christians or we can be passionate Christians. Remember that word passion means that I'm going to have to suffer a little. There's going to be some pain involved. Now, this comfort thing is real nice. But you know what? Where there's comfort, you won't find power. You won't find power. You'll be comfortable 
You might squeeze into heaven. Come on, somebody. But you'll never experience God's power in your family, in your life, in your business, in your finances. Now, here's where it counts that you know God. Because this passionate side could scare you. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I can handle that. Remember, remember, God's a good God. He's going to take care of you. He loves you so much. When you hear passion, see, if you don't know God, you think, oh my gosh, I have to sell everything, move to Africa, live in a hut. I'm going to have to live on the street and feed homeless people my whole life. And that's what he's going to call me because you don't know God. When you really know him, you really understand that he loves you. And he loves to give you the desires of your heart. I had one guy come to me in uh, tears one time. I was preaching at another church. Came to me all broken after service. He goes, Pastor, just pray for me, man, because I'm afraid that God's going to make me stay single my entire life. (laughs) I said, do you want to be single? He said, absolutely not. He started bawling. I said, calm down, homie. Dang. He started crying them ugly cries. (laughs) I calmed him down. Okay, wait a minute. That is not a desire of your heart. No, no, it's not. He was busted up over it because in his heart, the, he didn't know the God that, of the Bible. Listen, if that's how you feel, God ain't going to make you do that. If that's how you feel, trust him. Trust him and learn about him through the word. Now, are there things that God will require of you? Yes. But did you know every time God has required something of me, I've been on board? I've been on board. My wife and I have been on board. When God said, I want you to move from Florida and come to SAC, we didn't do that. Like, oh, we're prisoners, we're hostages. God did a work in us and we were like, okay, God, here it is. Now, it was still hard, but we got on board. That's the God we serve. But you're never going to find that out about him if you don't get in his word. If you don't seek him. Let me leave you with one more scripture. Plenty of time for the game. Niner fans, calm down. I feel you in the spirit. I feel you in the spirit. Pastor, we got to get to the game. We got plenty of time. I'll get you out of here. You can go, you know get some food or whatever for the game, whatever, you'll be fine. Listen to this last one, John chapter 14, 12 through 14. says this, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my father. He says, for I will do, listen to this, For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to Him. So here's what He says. Ask me anything in my name and I'll do it for you. So let's start praying start praying. Remember, keep your butt. Keep, get rid of that butt. You got to feel it in the room. But I prayed before. And then, 
get rid of that but you're living out of your past I can't answer what happened in your past I don't know why it didn't work then but I know if I have faith now I can have what I pray for but my grandma but my old church get rid of your butt all right let's just tell your neighbor get rid of your butt just tell them I got us we got to get that out of here get out of here Somebody's getting the giggles in the back. <laughs> Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. You know what I hear when I read these scriptures? And I'm going to give you some more next week. What I hear is a heavenly father pleading with the children to do something. Dads, have you ever experienced that with your kids? I don't want to do it, Dad. Come on, please, just jump in the pool. You're going to love it. It's going to be awesome. I don't want to do it. And you're sitting there after a while, you're like, just jump in this pool, I'm going to beat you. And then you got to pull it back. I mean, uh, excuse me. I mean, no, son, come on. You want it so bad because you know they're going to love it. You know they're going to love it. When I read the scriptures and Jesus saying the same thing over and over again, I feel like it's the Father going, please, just pray. Ask me and ask me again and seek me and seek me again. Keep doing it, doing it, doing it, and I'll give it to you. And we're going, but I don't have time. But it's hard. Thank God God's not like us, because that's what we would be like. You just forget you then. You ain't getting no blessings. Let's go home. But he ain't like us. He waits. And he pleads. Listen, highlight that in your Bible. Even if it's on your digital Bible, get that yellow highlighter. Not, not Some of y'all writing on your phones. No, no, no. There's a setting you can put. Highlight that. And every time you go into prayer, remind them. Say, Lord. You said in John 14, ask me anything in your name, and you said I would do and you would do it for me. Now the doctors have said I'll live with this disease though my whole life. But Lord, I'm asking you, and I'm gonna keep asking you, and I'm gonna keep believing that you're gonna do. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? That's how this works. Father, I just pray over every person here today. I don't want them to just be motivated. I want the seeds of prayer to be sown in their hearts. Because some of them are up against tremendous barriers. Maybe the doctor has given them a bad uh, 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 diagnosis. Maybe the creditor has come and said, you'll never own a house. Maybe just looking at your son and daughter and the life that they're living, you lose heart because you've been praying for them for years nothing's changed but once again Lord we remind you that you said and you cannot lie Lord that if we would ask anything in your name you would go to the Father and you would do it for us Lord Lord we're in a season of praying and fasting and many of us have many needs we're praying for our husbands our wives our kids Why are we praying for them, Lord? Because we know there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to heaven. And it's not through good works. It's not through religious things. 
experience through a relationship with you. I feel this real strong. There's some of you sitting in this place today that somebody has been praying for you to come to Jesus. And so the invitation is here. The Bible says there's one way to get heaven, to get to heaven and to receive heaven on earth. And that is through receiving Jesus Christ and repenting from our old lifestyle and saying, God, I want to serve you. I need help in this life. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store. And you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.